and takes a drink. The drink takes a drink. And then the drink takes a man. And it's so dead. Medicine. Medicine is what it is. Bonafide cure-all. The mind is a blackboard. And this is the eraser. A man tries. He provides. But he's surrounded by mouths. And a family. A wife. A kid. Those mouths eat time. They eat your days on Earth. They just gobble them up. It's enough to make a man sick. And this is the medicine. So tell me, Bob, are you gonna take your medicine? Welcome to Horror Haven Podcast. I'm Dylan. I'm Sierra. And today we're going to be covering Dr. Sleep. And to help us cover Dr. Sleep, we brought on our friend David from Journey with a Cinephile Podcast. What's up, man? Not a whole lot. Uh, glad to see you guys were coming back and then, you know, asked me to come back on. Yeah, when I actually, I had told you this when I was talking to you before, but um, when we had talked about bringing the show back, we were talking about people to have on as guests and what we were going to do because... Initially, we were like, we'll just bring it back just us because it's mm-hmm. going to be easier than juggling with people's schedules and stuff. But you right. you were one of the first people I was like, yeah, we need to get David on. Because um, we had recorded episodes with you before when we did the podcast earlier. Mm-hmm. And I think since we have stopped doing it and come back, you've started your own podcast. You got married. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Damn, and, uh, he's stalking you, David. Watch out. <laughs> We're Facebook friends. It's nothing weird, but sure, <laughs> sure. What's his address? No, I appreciate it. So, <laughs> but, but um, no, I and also to I had always said to Sierra, uh, like I I have always hoped that you would start a podcast mm-hmm. because we had done our projects with our show in the past where we um like we did the Century of Horror where we had people sending clips and stuff and we never and finished. You, dude, you're like a fucking encyclopedia for horror movies. <laughs> So you would just come with all these facts and stuff, and I'm like, this dude needs to start a podcast because he's literally like a, a fucking reference book of horror movies. So um, really good. I uh, highly recommend everybody listening. Go check out Journey with a Cinephile. No, I appreciate it. Because, cool. I mean, actually doing that, like, history thing with, like, you guys was what gave me the kind of idea because, like, I knew what I was going to kind of do from, like, other podcasts that, like, I had listened to for, like, November and then, like, December, but then when January rolled around, I was like, I don't know what to kind of do, and then that's when I started getting the idea of try to watch, like, all of those, like, retro years and watch all of the movies for the ones that correspond for whatever year that we're currently in, so I do have to give you guys a little bit of credit for that as well. Thanks. Well, we, um, I'm, I'm actually glad, too, because when we had done this show before, I, there's not a lot of shows that cover the older horror movies, like right. the 
30s, 40s, 50s. I feel like there's a lot that does the 80s. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's really like anything prior to the 70s does not exist. I feel so. like it's funny, too, because, like, the 80s is, like, literally my least favorite <laughs> era. No, I don't... The 90s are pretty bad, too, but, like, I really... When it comes to horror, the ones that I thoroughly enjoy are typically 70s and earlier. Mm, yeah. I don't... And then I like... I like modern horror. I'm actually very surprised with like how much I've been enjoying horror movies recently. Yeah. Um, because I feel like up until probably five years ago, I was very much like, if it's not in the '70s, I don't want to watch it. Which now <laughs> I've I've definitely developed my own taste to go much further back. And now, you know, if I ignore the '80s through like the early 2000s, I'm pretty okay with anything. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I do appreciate that you do cover older movies because, um, like I said, there's not a lot of shows that are covering those older movies, and I know right. that um, it, it's kind of funny because I, I, I'm I trying to remember what episodes we've had you on for, but I feel like it's always been modern movies. <laughs> for the most then, part, yeah, because I mean, well, I know we did, um, just off the top of my head, I was on the like Gates of Hell trilogy. Yep. And then I also know we did the like haunted house one where we I know we did the innkeepers and I think it was like we Legend did house of, on haunted hill didn't yes we? I, yeah okay, okay. that I was house hell house uh, Legend of Hell House or whatever that one is I think we did all three because we used to I, yeah. we used to do three that's, mo- movies that's true, for yeah, so. <laughs> yeah um, we we just had this conversation with Steven I think it was the last time we recorded with him where we were like yeah we used to do three movies every episode and he's like holy shit <laughs> yeah. he's like what the fuck what like why, why were, we were we doing, doing that? that and I was like I think I, and I was like you know I it's nice doing one because it, it it goes a lot quicker it's a lot easier to keep up with but I'm like. It's hard because we're still watching a lot of movies, and yeah. like you always want to be like, oh well, th- this kind of connects to this other movie, and it's like it's it's hard not to do that, you know? Oh, yeah, that's kind of the platform that we had was we would cover like two movies to three movies, and I then think it the made main, for interesting conversation. Yeah, the main topic of discussion for the episodes were like really comparing and contrasting because they were typically movies that had something in common with right. each other. So it was cool to say, like, this movie did this better than this movie. But when you're covering one movie... So, like Sierra said, we covered, um, in this past month, Halloween Kills, Scream, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Candyman. And all they, of they were all within a, a similar theme, so it yeah, was really hard so... not to jump ahead or go backwards. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I would literally... I think there's, like, one episode I, like, looked at Dylan and I was like, you're a fucking asshole. And yeah. he's like, why am I an asshole? He's like, because I just want to talk about a different movie right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like... I was like, I'm not actually mad. I'm just frustrated. so uh for this episode we're doing dr sleep we posted a poll on our instagram so if you guys aren't following us on our instagram at horror haven podcast do that because you can have some say in some future episodes or maybe we'll just ignore you yeah we might we might do that too um depends on our mood (laughs) we posted a poll between uh dr sleep and night house and it was actually a lot closer than i thought i when i posted it i was like all right dr sleep is gonna be 100 gonna win and it it was a really close and I feel like both movies, there's a lot to discuss. So oh, we're I was, definitely going to cover Nighthouse at some point. <laughs> I was I was fine with either. Also, um, <clears throat> just forewarning in case I do this, but I keep having to fight myself to not say Doctor Strange. Oh. So <laughs> uh, throughout, if, if anywhere in the episode I accidentally say Doctor Strange, I promise I'm not an idiot. <laughs> no, you know what we'll do is like I'll have Dylan go in and just when he's editing, go like, sleep but like make it very obvious that it's stuck in there every time yeah. 
That would actually be hilarious, so I hope you fuck up a lot. Uh, I hope I don't. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm still talking really quietly. Like, I'm, like, looking no, at good, it. Okay. Um, All right. So... I also came prepared for this. I decided that I was done. <laughs> the, the last four episodes we've put out, I've shown up with no notes, nothing. I'll just pull up an IMDb page, rattle some stuff off. I actually took notes. I came prepared today. I did not. <laughs> but that's okay, because C's gets degrees. <laughs> that's true. It is true. Although I am a 4.0 student currently. I will put that out there. Very nice. All right, so um, Dr. Sleep, it was directed by Mike Flanagan, who has been a really big name in horror lately. Which, he thank did, God um, for Dylan, that's an easy name to say. Yeah, I'm not going to struggle <laughs> with names this episode, I think. Um, but he's done Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. Um, he did Hush, Oculus. You like Oculus. Yeah, so I, I he's done a lot of other stuff, too. He did another Stephen King adaptation. Was it 1922 that he did? Or no, uh, Gerald's he did Game. Gerald's Game, yeah. Gerald's yep. Game, that's right. That's a very different movie from this one. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. I was like, expe- like 1922, I'd be like, okay. But Gerald's Game, that I, okay. Maybe. <laughs> Guess. Uh, the the <laughs> actor who played Grandpa Flick was actually the one who played the... I don't remember what he was called in uh, Gerald's the Game. The Moonlight Man, I Yeah, think? the Moonlight Man. Yeah. I'll tell you this, I don't remember a damn thing about Gerald's Game other than something about a bed right <laughs> she was tied to a bed the whole time or something handcuffed yeah yeah yep. freaky so it was a weird movie yeah it is a very weird one we um, watched it when it came out and then i don't think did we right we watched it together yeah, didn't we yeah and then i never watched it again which i didn't think it was bad it just wasn't necessarily something that i'd watch again it was it was a weird one but uh, mike flanagan does use a lot of the same actors and yep. actresses in his projects. Uh, I think this was the first one that I can think of that I watched that didn't have his wife in it. So, <laughs> I think you're Who's right. His yeah, wife? I... Um, she was the main character in Hush. She played the deaf. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. I liked Hush a lot. Hush was really good. Yeah. Again, very different type of movie. Yeah. He but has good. range. He has range. He does have range. <laughs> <laughs> um, the movie was starring Ewan McGregor. Obi-Wan Kenobi as uh, Dan Torrance, Rebecca Ferguson as Rose the Hat, Kylie Curran as Aber Stone, and I have some other ones written down, but those those are the, the main ones I'll touch on. Um, plot of the movie, real quick, we'll brush over. Also, we're going to be talking about spoilers, so if you haven't seen the movie and you're interested, turn this off. I also have some notes about the book, so um, I'm, I'm not too in-depth, but kind of how they differed from each other. You have right. the book. I have the book. I haven't read the book, so... (laughs) He's a collector of things he doesn't read. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this movie is a sequel to The Shining, and what's interesting about that is Stephen King was very much involved with the making of this movie, even though he was not a fan of The Shining movie from 1980. So what Mike Flanagan had to do was convince him that... That movie is more well-known than the novel The Shining or the 1997 miniseries The Shining. So it would have... I watched that. It, yeah, it wasn't yeah. great. Yeah, it was I watched that rough. with my dad. <laughs> I, At the, the only, end, don't the, like... The stone... Uh, garden or not, animals, yeah, the, the garden ti- animals. The, yeah, the, like, shaped animals in the out of the bushes uh, it, yeah it, was, it reeked of the 90s yeah um i think it, i think that's like legitimate though the like followed the book I, that's yeah. the thing with stephen king and maybe i'm wrong about my opinion on it but like i feel like the movies work because they change the things that wouldn't transfer well yeah over you know what i mean mm-hmm. because like there's things in when you read 
it it works and it's fine in a book, you know, but when you put it into like a visual form, it's very hard for it to transfer over and not come across as silly. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah. I, my thing with Stephen King too, and I've said this a lot, and I, Stephen King fans listening to this are going to hate me. I know that a, a good friend of mine is huge on Stephen King, and he gets really mad every time I say it. But I I prefer for the majority things that stray away. I, I think Stephen King is an idea guy. Yes. I think I think that he has good ideas for stories, but I think that really what these directors or writers that do these screenplays do is they kind of make these Stephen King fan fictions where they take things that are part of the story but they add their own elements to it so the shining masterpiece of a movie very different from the novel oh yeah um same thing with movies like it, the, it yeah uh the mist i think Stephen king has actually even said that he preferred was it the mist no no, yeah, the one with he, he thought James. that the ending for that movie was better than what he did. Because, like, I'm yeah. actually a huge Stephen that King fan. That has got to take a huge, like, that's got to take yeah. a, quite the set of balls to it <laughs> to admit that you prefer somebody else's version of your story to your own. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Like, that that's, like, a tough guy thing to do. Like, that gives him major respect. <laughs> I think because, that was, like, the only time. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but, like, you have to think, though, like, you, you have to look at it this way. Like, if you put all of this effort and work into something that was, like, your, like, it's like his little baby. Mm-hmm. And then somebody changed it on him like that. That is, that that would hurt his, like, it, it probably hurts his feelings, honestly. And, like, maybe that's silly because he's an adult man. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> I would feel, like, I would feel hurt if, like, somebody took an episode of Horror Haven and was like, we hate that bitch, she's nasally, and just cut me out of it. And like, oh, what's up? You know, it would, it would bother me, you know? It's the same thing. It's something that he created that he worked really hard on. So, yeah, of course he's going to take offense when people change it to some extent. But for him to look at, at one version of a story that was changed and him say, actually, I really actually like that a lot better than what I had done, that's really, that's a respect. Yeah. Because that's a hard thing to do and to take that emotional aspect of, like, what you did out of it and say, no, I can see where you were going and that was a good idea. That's hard. I actually did it recently with uh, the new Pet Cemetery. Mm. I said I <laughs> I watched it and uh, one of my coworkers was like, "Oh, what'd you think of it?" And I was like, "The ending was so fucking dumb." <laughs> yeah. And she was a huge Stephen King fan, and she's like, "That's how the book ends." I said, "Of fucking course, that's how the book ends." <laughs> that's why I don't remember the book all that much. Like, I need to go back and reread that one because I had mm-hmm. like I was with you. Is that like, I didn't love the ending of that movie. Like. I don't mind some of the changes they made to it. Like, I thought mm-hmm. that is kind of a cool thing to do, especially because if you're going to make something, make it your own. But, yeah, uh, that one, I was a little bit of a head-scratcher there at the end. Well, I feel like, too, a lot of the times with Stephen King, the movies, too, is it's like when we were watching Stephen King movies, we were kids. Mm-hmm. So it was far be- before we would be reading Stephen King novels. Yeah. So I feel like as adults, we have more of a connection to the Stephen King movie adaptations more so than we have to the books because we grew up like you know at in in our age we were watching it as kids probably um i I was watching rose red um you know pet cemetery like all of those movies so i do very much have more of a connection to the movies than i ever did with his novels plus i've tried to read his novels and he's um it's just not my style (laughs) of writing yeah I don't think, I mean, obviously he's an amazing writer. There's no doubt there. 
It's just not necessarily my favorite writing. He tends to get wordy. I, yeah. And that's, I, I think that's where I, he loses me mm-hmm. is that um, I like I like authors that go into a lot of detail, but I feel like he goes into details that are unimportant. Mm-hmm. So that it loses me. Like, I forget what he's talking about. Yeah, I remember trying. I remember trying to read it like a long time ago, and I'd gotten like, I don't know, I, I got like 30, 40 pages in, and he was still just talking about the same thing. <laughs> and I was like, I, I can't do it. I, I can't. I can't anymore. It was like he had like a, a word, like a, a, a word count he had to yeah. hit, and he was like, let me just keep going. But um, yeah. So <clears throat> Mike Flanagan, he he fought to get this movie made, and he did talk to Stephen King and convince him that Stephen Kubrick's version of The Shining was... You didn't... You said Stephen Kubrick. <laughs> Stephen Kubrick. Stanley. Stanley Kubrick. Uh, <laughs> We're getting confused. Yeah. Names. I was bound to fuck one of them up this episode. But um, his version of The Shining was the one that was most known. So if they had done a version of Dr. Sleep that was continuing off of the novel or the miniseries from 1997, audiences would have been confused and probably would have been a little angry about it. So he had to convince Stephen King that that was going to be the route to go, which he eventually ended up giving in. The production on the movie started in 2013, right after the book came out, or like the pre-production, I guess, the ideas of talking about it. But it got fast-tracked in 2017 after it was so popular in the box office. Makes sense. I hate the the title It for a movie because it's like what, like... I don't know, it just feels confusing in a conversation to say it all the time. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> when I worked at Family Video, trying to look up the original miniseries was a nightmare. Because I could imagine. that, yeah, would pop up that had just IT in it. And <laughs> I ended up figuring out somebody was smart and put Stephen King, it is how they put it in there. So once I found that little shortcut. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be a fucking nightmare, I, I could imagine. Yeah. <laughs> um... So the idea for the story came from um, fans at conventions or meet and greets with Stephen King would always ask him what happened to Danny Torrance and um, he would often think of the same thing. He also came up with ideas of like what would happen if Jack Torrance had found AA and you know none of this stuff ever happened. Um, He would often make jokes that Danny married... Charlene McGee from Firestarter. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been interesting. Um, well, does she te- technically, right? She probably is in the same universe. Yeah. That's something I've wondered, too. Because, is, like, I'm assuming her gift is a sh- shining. Yeah. Stephen King was really the first, like, universe builder man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's in depth because it's, yeah. like, every single, almost, I would say all of his novels, his full his full books mm-hmm. can connect back to to this universe somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe um, not it. Yeah, it, it has uh, references. I know that Dick Halloran from The Shining like shows up in the book at some point. Oh, um, shit. Yeah. And they also have the... Whatever, like, the it, like, entity is, there's one that's similar to it in the Dark Tower series where yeah. it feeds on fear and everything like that. It, it doesn't take on that form, but it's, like, in the same, like, species or whatever. Yeah. Um, Dark Tower, are those novels, books? Uh, books? Yeah, it's a series, and then that's where he kind of connects everything back, is that he gets really kind of philosophical that everything serves the Dark Tower. 
Did they end up making those into graphic novels? Because I some, feel yeah. like that's what yeah. I was wondering is if they were always novels or if they were the or if they just went graphic novel with them because I remember seeing like really interesting artwork for for the graphic I have, novels. I think I have some of the graphic novels actually. I've never read them, but um, again, collects doesn't yeah, read. Yeah, collects and doesn't read. Um, <laughs> so the the plot of this story that's where I was going. Big wraparound. Um, the uh, the plot follows Danny Torrance from The Shining. As an adult. As an adult. Um, in the movie, he gets AA because he becomes an alcoholic to suppress the gift that he has of The Shining. Um, he looks and... a lot like Obi-Wan in the beginning. <laughs> and then he ends up looking like his character from Big Fish by the end. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. It's weird that the actor looked like the actor. Um, from two different <laughs> movies. So... Uh, yeah, uh, there's also this group called the, um, fuck. Uh, the True Knot. The True Knot. I, for some reason, I want to say something with Thorn. Yeah, the True Knot, um, they are these group of people who feed on The Shining. Uh, basically, they'll take these kids and kill them and vape. Yeah. <laughs> Quite literally. Yeah. yeah. They, um, suck, they, they suck out their smoke. Yeah. So... In the in the the movie in the story, um, there's a little girl named Abra who begins communicating with Danny, and she finds him because this group, the True Knot, are after her, and asks for Danny's help. The True Knot come after her. They lead Rose to the Overlook Hotel. Yeah, big showdown. That's that's yeah, that's the movie. That's the basic movie. <laughs> yeah. It's much longer than that. Yeah, it was it was like a three hour movie. Yeah, which yeah. I did. We didn't. We weren't able to find the director's cut. I know that you said that you were talking about, or you were gonna look into finding the director's cut. Well, yeah, because I, I end up getting there was a sale at one point where, and I had like points, so I end up like using that when it was like at a discounted price. So like I have the Blu-ray, and it came with both cuts of the movie, and because mm-hmm. like I had seen this originally in the theater, and then I had shown my wife The Shining, and then this movie I think like last winter, and then mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, okay, well I've never seen the director's cut, and I'd heard so many people saying like how much they like that one better, so I went ahead and watched that one this time did you like it better i do it's kind of interesting is that they actually break it up into chapters and Mm -hmm. like they all have kind of weird names and i thought that was kind of an interesting thing because it kind of helps the story flow and i mean but outside of that it's pretty much almost the same exact movie they've just kind of added i mean i guess technically they added like 30 minutes but i don't think necessarily everything they add into it has like a huge pull or anything with that mm-hmm. but it's still it, it plays very similar but it doesn't make it feel that much longer it's interesting that you brought up that they added chapters because i was thinking about after we watched the movie i was thinking about like what i was going to talk about mm-hmm. and like what i had noticed throughout it and it does feel even without that to me it very much feels like there's there's like scenes not scenes but like um it reminds me of like a play where there's like mm-hmm. yeah you know parts to it um 
Because there's like the beginning part where Danny's first it starts with him in childhood and then mm-hmm. that's like one part and then part two would be like him battling the alcoholism and going to a new area meeting friends and like having support right. and then the third part would be um when abra's contacting him and they're they're learning more about this group of people that are killing kids with the shining um and then you know the the fourth part would be you know them going to the overlook and all that so when, when you're watching it, it very much kind of plays out similar to what I feel like would be like theatrically like a play. Mm-hmm. Um, but chapters also would be the same yeah. the same way that, that, that it feels. It, it very much feels like a, which it, it, this was a movie theater movie. It was not a miniseries, but it very much reminds me of the same feel as like watching Rose Red or watching it mm-hmm. is that there's very clear cut sections. Well, we actually watched this in two separate nights too, and it because we, I we, can't stay awake. <laughs> well, we we got to we got to a point, and and we I was thinking it, and Sarah said like this seems like a pretty good place to stop. Like it feels like this section was resolved, and we can pick up from this part tomorrow. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you're you're kind of right. And we were I was we picked just up tired. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, what do you guys want to talk about with the movie? I liked him better with a beard. <laughs> That's fair. I can agree <laughs> with that. But I like him better not as an alcoholic. I, I, th- I, I feel like um, this is not my favorite Stephen King movie I've ever watched. I'm going to just mm-hmm. go right. And I don't hate it. I didn't dislike it at all. I, I still enjoyed it. Uh, very much felt like a movie that I would have watched with my dad mm-hmm. on TV, um, which was, like, fun because that, the, those are good memories. But um, I really liked seeing... Um, Danny kind of almost mirror what Jack had like was going through, you know what I mean? And yeah. kind of realize, you know, like I'm going down the same path that like basically I hated my father for and I need to stop and change. You know what I mean? I think that that's something that probably a lot of people can relate to, which like it's a horror movie, like just enjoy the horror, I guess, but like it is a very like kind of a deep thing to be to be showing in a movie like this so uh uh, something that i wrote down when i was doing some research it was uh, a comparison that it made to the shining and the stories between the shining and dr sleep um they're very much opposites and i think that was done on purpose so the Mm -hmm. shining the the main themes of it are addiction isolation and confinement where Dr. Sleep, the main themes are sobriety, pursuit, and escape. It's, you can see that he's, tr- he's like, do, he is, he's like reaching out and finding people and trying to fix the problem. And then also, um, it like comes up again at the end, towards the end of the movie when they get to the overlook. Danny goes inside by himself and he sits at the bar. And then there's a character who keeps introducing himself as, uh, what was the name that he was giving? But, I don't care what the name is. doesn't matter. <laughs> Danny was like, dad, basically. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. But, like, it was clearly a representation of his father mm-hmm. um, that was trying to egg him on to drink. And he was like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, and I think it was very much showing, like, I'm not making the same mistakes that you made. And I think that that was a very, very deep thing to put into uh, this movie. And I think it was important for the movie, too, to show that he is a different person. And he is a... He's the hero of the movie, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, 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 maybe I got, like, a little read too much into it, but I just, that that part of it, that aspect really stood out to me as something very important where the rest of the movie, to me, didn't feel as deep, um, but that I felt was very nice. 
Yeah, but I mean, kind of going back to what like Dylan had said, like the reason that he wrote the book, I think you're dead on, is that this is showing like if Jack would have like got clean and actually like stayed clean the whole time, where obviously in like The Shining he falls into his addiction, mm-hmm. where this is like him, like his son falls into that at first, and then when he ends up showing up in you know that city, and that guy goes out to like help him because he had that he's had the similar problems that he has. That I think this is like the redemption tale where Jack yeah. couldn't have it, so Dan gets that here, and then like even Dick was talking about like, hey, I helped you, so now you have to pay it back by helping Abra. Where he's kind of hesitant at first, but then he's kind of looking back where he had repressed his power, which ended up saving his life because the True Not never found him as a kid. And, I mean, mm-hmm. his addiction kind of dulls that whole thing. But then when Dick is like, hey, you have to help this girl, like, they know about her. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think – this might be a stupid question. I'm sure somebody who loves Stephen King is going to be like, what's wrong with you? But <laughs> <laughs> do you guys think that Jack might have had The Shining also? Maybe that triggered uh, because, his addiction at because, some point? Well, no, I think no, no, no. So, yeah. because, because the drinking suppressed The Shining for Danny. That's mm-hmm. why he did it as an adult. Jack did it, but think about The Shining, like the movie The Shining. Jack saw these ghosts too. Yeah. I don't think Wendy saw them at all. Mm-mm. Not until but the j- very end where it starts to like fully like come to life and has been feeding on like Danny's fear yeah. Yeah. throughout the whole winter. Yeah, but Jack Jack saw these ghosts, and it, it's even interesting – also, because watching The Shining, Jack never questions seeing these ghosts. Mm-hmm. You know, like he he goes to the bar and he's talking to the bartender and he knows that there's no bartender there, but he's having a whole conversation with it's him. It's a very interesting take, Dylan. I Thank never you. thought of it in that way. <laughs> I Thank do think you. you're right. I think it is like a hereditary thing where that's why Danny has it. He's just more powerful and then obviously he hadn't been you know, drinking when he was a boy, and that's where his power was still fresh, yeah. kind of like how Abra has. Mm-hmm. Abra's insane. Right. <laughs> She's, like, wrecking bitches in their heads. Yeah, and this movie, too. So, I, I do want to say... For also, anybody- she handles her dad getting killed very well. For yeah. Her. yeah. <laughs> I can't, like, there was very little reaction to that. Like, she was like, all right, whatever. Yeah. Bye, Dad. Um, I do want to say, for anybody listening, this movie, I would not label this as a horror movie. No. Um... And that was a little bit of a downer for me. Um, I, I wasn't really expecting it to be full-on horror like The Shining was, but there were really no, not a lot of horror elements. I would it. say this, though, is that if you are if you typically like like the Stephen King movies or the, the miniseries, uh, I think that this very much, li- like, it's a Stephen King to me, it comes across as a Stephen King miniseries. So if you like Rose Red, if you like it, um, even I would say, I'd say those two. I feel like it relates most to is like that style of movie. I, I definitely think that you would like it. You like those uh, movies that pop on like sci-fi during the day, where you just are like, oh shit, there's nothing else I'm gonna watch it. This is definitely like same vibe for me. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think it's bad. No, it's not I, re- bad. I really I wanna, enjoyed it. I want yeah. I want to put that out there. It's not bad um, at all. It's just, it's not your standard horror, but Stephen King really isn't, he's more like spooky, not scary, you know? 
Yeah. It's a little bit different. But my thing was, so uh, the first part of the movie where Danny's still a kid, and it shows that he's still being followed from these uh, by these ghosts from the Overlook, and it has... Imposter Shelley Duvall? Yes, Imposter Shelley Duvall. <laughs> <laughs> I like was like, they couldn't have like just CGI'd her in, like, I just... That's my one complaint. Sierra, yeah, Sierra was very upset. I was very upset every time I saw her. I was like, that's not, that's not her. Um, that's but, not, who's that? That's not his mom. But uh, Mrs. Massey, I think, is who was the uh, the yeah. ghost from room 237. Like, yep. when it showed her in the bathtub, and I'm like, that's fucking terrifying. Yes. And I Abra wanted... I ended up seeing her at the end of it. Yeah, and I wanted more of that. And uh, you get this kind of, like, like Sierra said, it's very much like a sci-fi movie where, you, you know... It's very uh, fantasy, yeah, and less horror. And then you have the ending, the whole climax of the movie, where they they go back to the Overlook. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, we're gonna get like The Shining, basically. Like we're gonna get this, and it was kind of just more of that fantasy. What you needed to keep in your head the whole time is that Stephen King was not happy with The Shining. That's what you needed when you were watching this movie. You needed to keep telling yourself like, this is not. This is not a Stanley Kubrick movie. This is a Stephen King movie, because that—that's the difference. That's—that's that's truly the difference. Is that this stuck more to what I think the style is of a Stephen King? Yeah, I guess that's true. Story, than what The Shining did, which is why they're very different types of movies. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I will say though that seeing those. I feel like this movie is very hopeful. Yeah, yeah. I will say that seeing seeing those uh, characters. And, and this coming off of this whole last month where we talked about requels and, like, legacy characters coming back and everything. Um, I guess this is kind of a requel, isn't it? <laughs> well, right. they, didn't have, they didn't have those um, those characters come back, but... Yeah, they did, Danny. Well, I mean, like, the actors playing the characters. Oh, but, that's fair. Oh. Um, but what is I was really excited to see them. Like, when, when they, they were at the... Over- Dan- did we no, Yeah, we did, right? Didn't we meet the guy who played met, Danny Torrance yeah, Danny, as Danny a child? Wood. Yeah, he's yeah, at we, the uh, the baseball game. Oh, okay. oh I we met we, we met we, we met we met him in real life. Say, <laughs> I, oh, oh god, oh gosh, I didn't realize that. Okay, yeah, yeah, but like, that's fun. Like, I wonder if that was like ever a thing that in their heads, like, oh, we're gonna bring back the original actor or like. Well, he was retired from acting. He he became a school teacher, so oh. he doesn't do any acting anymore. It doesn't mean he wouldn't. <laughs> I guess. But. Like, you should at least like. I feel like. It's only right to offer it to him first. Let him say, nah, but I hear uh, Ewan McGregor's great. You should talk to him, you know? Well, Ewan McGregor, too, uh, from what I was reading, he was a recovering alcoholic himself. So he was... I love Ewan McGregor. He's, I don't yeah, he's think a great actor. He yeah. is a great actor. And he just seems like, I don't know, he just has like a face that says, hey, I'm nice. Yeah, I think so. And like He also hasn't aged since the 90s. So. Yeah, what is... Yeah. Who's the other actor that doesn't age? Oh, Paul Rudd. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Rudd doesn't age. I wonder if they like have a secret. Um, there's a lot of uh, little Easter eggs in this movie too. Um, so when they did the Overlook Hotel, Mike Flanagan actually recreated the entire set for the Overlook with blueprints that he got from Stanley Kubrick's estate. Hmm. He wanted it to look identical. Wasn't it just filmed at a hotel? That, no, the outside shots were at a hotel, but most of it were... Because con- the outside shots in this, I'm assuming, were not at the hotel. They looked very, like... 
it, it didn't look like it was like filmed anywhere. It looked like it was like CGI or something. I think they might have CGI'd the snow in, but they did go back and film oh. the outside shots for the hotel. They didn't do. I don't. It looked very. Um, I don't want to say animated, but like kind of. I don't yeah, know. It yeah, looked, I, yeah. I get you know, what you're it just didn't look. Real. I think it was just bad snowstorm CGI. Maybe that's it, because it just like something about it just didn't feel real like like it was good enough to to not be like oh this looks like shit like it looked fine mm-hmm, but like right. you definitely questioned like did they go to the hotel or did they just not yeah but there's there's a lot of which uh, is fine do what you got to do man budget there's a lot of stuff so like from some things that i found when looking it up so the room where danny was interviewed for the job as the orderly or whatever job that he had gotten mm-hmm. um it was identical to the room where Jack was interviewed for the job as the caretaker for the Overlook. Um, I want a job like they that. They even got the paint color down. They had the American flag next to the, the desk. Um, when Danny is working late at night, the magazine that he's, he's reading is identical to the one that Jack was reading <laughs> in The Shining. Playgirl, 1978. <laughs> that was um, a great issue. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, there, there were also some things, too, that were paralleled. So at the end with the Overlook where Rose is coming towards Danny and he's backing up the stairs. Yep. Um, that was supposed to mirror Jack and Wendy going up the stairs in The Shining. So a lot of really fun nods to The Shining. I did also like when maybe i'm hoping i'm remembering the scene correctly but i think it was when danny got to the overlook and it showed the bathroom with the hole in it yeah in yeah. the, the door and he peeked in and then it like showed like a quick like glimpse of what had happened or whatever mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. i loved that i really loved that i'm still mar- mad though that they got an imposter to play the mom that <laughs> i mean i know <laughs> i know she don't act anymore i know she, like i was so when we were watching this i was like what happened to her like i haven't heard f- about shelly duval and like forever mm-hmm. so i looked it up and apparently she like went off the radar in the 90s and moved back to her hometown in texas and just like went silent until she was on an episode of dr phil in 2016 well i'm pretty sure if i remember right um she was like traumatized from filming the shining because stanley kubrick was such a dick to her that's what i thought and too it, I, i'm pretty sure it made her have a mental break and she well, completely it, lost I it. i mean it probably came across really good for the movie though yeah. Uh, Which is like, it's not <laughs> worth it. I'm not saying that it's okay. I'm just saying he probably did it on purpose. <laughs> dick. Or he was just a dick, yeah. <laughs> um, she did a, she, she was phenomenal in that movie, though. I will say that. Like, I think yeah. so, too. But Dylan will randomly walk in a room and be like, hello, I'm Shelly Duvall. There, yeah, there, <laughs> there's, a, there's a, a, a video that randomly pops up for me. I, I find it's like it ran- 10 hours of her in different situations saying that exact line. Yeah, it's like literally exactly the same every time she says it. I'm gonna, Hold on, I'm looking it up. Was your boss just calling? Or not your boss, your job? Here, here we go. Listen. Uh, no, fucking Liberty Mutual ad. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I do want to go back to, uh, Sarah, you had said that this movie feels very hopeful. Mm-hmm. And it, it does. And I, it, it's very interesting because there's a lot of dark stuff that happens in this movie. But the, I... in, the entire movie, you do have this feeling of hope. And it's very, it does feel very optimistic as the movie goes on. Yeah, yeah, no, I feel I feel like from the get-go, you have faith that the good good guys are going to win, which typically, to some extent, some good guy wins at the end of a horror movie, but this whole time you're like, 
I, I feel like it makes it very clear from the beginning. Like, they're, they're going to overcome what's going on. Right. Hang on. I think I got it. Hello. I'm Shelley Duvall. Hello. I'm Shelley Duvall. Hello. I'm Shelley Duvall. Hello. I'm Shelley Duvall. It, it's literally exactly the same but every it's time. But like all different clips of her from, like, different shows and movies saying that exact line. Huh. She, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> randomly, Dylan will just I'm like. I'm telling you, she broke. He'll like answer the phone <laughs> and just be like, "Hello, I'm Shelley Duvall." I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why are you doing this? Uh, so fun fact into our life. If you were ever interested, uh, that's our relationship. <laughs> I like it. It's um, weird. <laughs> Dan Stevens, Chris Evans, Matt Smith, and Jeremy Renner were all considered to play Danny, but. Ewan McGregor was cast with Stephen King's blessing. I'm going to tell you what, Ewan McGregor's the only one who names I know, so it was probably a good Chris choice. Evans is Captain America. Jeremy Renner is Hawkeye. Yep. Neither of those guys make <laughs> any sense. Why? Yeah, I'm definitely glad they went with who they did. Yeah, yeah right? Like, <laughs> that makes no sense. Um, Why do I know no one's name, though? Like, <laughs> Dan Stevens is in Downton Abbey. I feel like I know his face from something else. He kind of looks like uh, a more decent-looking whoever plays Draco Malfoy. What's his uh, name? Matt Smith is Doctor Who. Absolutely yeah. not for that one. No. He kinda got a pug Does he have eyebrows? Soho. He kind of has a pug face. That so. guy doesn't have <laughs> eyebrows. <laughs> I, I, I want to see Last Night in Soho. Yeah, you yeah. do. I remember that. Let's um, talk about the group of... Um, I don't know, the energy suckers? <laughs> the vape the yes. vape lords. <laughs> we haven't mentioned them at all and we're talking about this movie. I think I think Siri got a little fed up with me watching this because I just made vape jokes yeah, the entire like the whole time. Yeah. Like, Look at those clouds. Yeah. Like, Shut the fuck up. <laughs> um they're basically led by Rose the Hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm assuming because she wore a hat the whole time that that was her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, <laughs> that was her. That was her. Yep. <laughs> I didn't like her. She was annoying. <sighs> Um, yeah, so, one thing that I will say... I liked Grandpa Flick. (laughs) One thing that I'll say about Stephen King, and I, so I was thinking about it, and I was like, Stephen King really does not care, he has the balls to kill a kid. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where a lot of people won't cross that line. But then I was thinking about it, I was like, that's kind of a fucking staple for Stephen King. Yeah, yeah, he likes to kill children, that's a hobby for him. And I'm just thinking, like, Pet Cemetery, it... This movie, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. kill yeah. children. Yeah, he's down for it. He's like, murder all of the children, it's fine. And it, it's very brutal, too. Like, uh, they show the the baseball kid, um, baseball yeah. boy, and he's getting murdered. And Jacob Tremblay, who's a pretty big actor, even at a young age, um, he played that kid. And I, Who is that? Um, he, You're telling me it's a big actor. I've never heard of him <laughs> in my life. Uh, um, he was in that movie, Good Boys, I think it was called. Well, um, yep. He also, Luca, he played, um... He was in Luca? I yeah. love Luca. Was he Alberto? No, he was Luca. Oh, he played Luca. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, I like Alberto better. He's in, he's in a lot of stuff, though. I'd have to look it up. But he... Oh, so that's a good movie. Rebecca Ferguson, who played Rose the Hat, she has a very, I guess, a very soft spot for, um... She doesn't, like, child murder in movies i really, guess really i'm very surprised good. she seemed very into it yeah right um, she did it she's a great actor I so guess. i was reading that uh jacob tremblay when they filmed that scene of them killing him because mm-hmm. it's, it's a very graphic and a it very is, graphic yeah. and brutal kill 
Um, also, I guess, why that's going on, Abra's watching it through, mm-hmm. what, telepathy? Yeah. Um, he... She tries I, to make them stop, doesn't she? Yeah. So he, I guess, did so well acting that everybody who's involved in that scene with, like, killing him were completely traumatized. <laughs> and when they yelled cut, he, like, laughed and jumped up and, like, gave his dad a high five and <laughs> just, walked over to the snack table. The office, <laughs> and they're all just, yeah, and they're all just sitting there, like, completely traumatized. What a badass kid. Yeah. What a badass kid. So, That's yeah, great. The <laughs> the group's led by Rose, and then her right-hand man is, uh, what's his name? Uh, Crow Daddy. Crow Daddy. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's also my nickname. But we all know the true, the true king of this group is definitely Grandpa Flick. He did. He's yeah, he did. He. They got also old. brought in a, a character called Snakebite Andy. Um, mm-hmm. She. So they changed her character for the movie. Actually, in the book. She was an adult, where in the movie she was a 15-year-old who would go after pedophiles, Creepy essentially. Old yeah. Men, yeah. Yep. Um, in the book, she was an adult, and she was the love interest of Rose the Hat. Oh. And the reason that Mike Flanagan changed that for the movie was he wanted to have it mirror the mentor relationship that Danny and Abra have with Rose the Hat yeah. and... Andy. I didn't get that at all. I didn't even put that together, but that does make sense. Now that yeah, you but said I it. didn't, like, watching it, I didn't feel mm-hmm. like Rose... I, I felt like Rose would much rather be the only girl in the crew. Like, because it makes her, like, the bad bitch. Mm-hmm. That's my... I don't think Rose gave a shit about anybody else in that group but herself. Personally. Yeah, she, she really only kind of looks for, like, what talents you have and how it yeah. could... That like, she can help. use. Right. That's I, I'm kind of with you there, where how well Snake by Andy can do, like, that push thing and make people do things that I think I'm with you is that she seems like this is how it benefits me and how much more powerful we get if well, we have that. I mean, the, the way that you really have to look at it is that Crow was like, hey, like, this girl's super powerful when referring to Abra. Like, do you think that we should kill her or should we turn her? Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, no, she's too powerful. And she's like, she she's too powerful. She'd have too much control. But I think mainly what it was is that she didn't want to lose her powerful position because she's very much the leader of the pack and they kind of follow her, which I don't know why they it's follow good, her. She's a dumbass. I, I don't like her. I don't like her at all in that stupid hat she wears. <laughs> and then she like... It was flips. a cool hat, Sierra. No, she freaks out. She freaks out when it drops off her head when Abra threw her across the fucking grocery yeah. store with her mind. I have a feeling that the, I, I have a feeling that that probably goes into more detail in the book as to why she wears a hat or why nobody else can touch that. Well, the, that the they first, just didn't explain in the movie. The first girl that they killed, it, she used it as like a way to trick her into thinking she was like a magician. Yes, mm-hmm. and that actually. Um, and then the Abra's so, Abracadabra, and then she was obsessed with magicians because she had the magician birthday party. So it's kind of yep. stupid. I read online that Stephen King um, didn't connect that Abra also could have stood for Abracadabra, and it was just a coincidence, and he was, like, excited. No, shut her. the hell Yeah, like, nobody's just named what? Abra. <laughs> Abra? Abra's not... Is Abra even a word? It's a Pokemon. <laughs> I, that's true. Um, but so, so, oh, maybe the, her dad was like you and would name their child after a Pokemon. If the I'm saying is, if great. I have another girl, so her name's going to be Ponyta. Oh, I um, know who you're having another child with because it ain't me. Um, 
No, so the first Ponyta? the the first girl that uh that gets killed in the movie, that was actually supposed to be a homage to the Frank the Frankenstein the original Frankenstein movie oh. of the girl getting the, thrown into the lake. Yeah, like they're sitting down by the lake and the like. She gives flowers. her flowers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a little fun fact for it's you. It's like one of those things where, like, I guess it could be a connection, but like, it didn't. It was just a homage. It wasn't supposed yeah, to connect it. it was I just know, like, I know. It's just like, I don't know. I just feel like it was trying to be cool. Well, I thought it was pretty cool, Steer. <laughs> you would. You would. But, um, yeah, I don't have anything else to really say about this. Do you guys have anything else you want to add in? Uh, you want to get to ratings? I feel like I talked a lot more than I expected. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I Really, the only other things that I had is I did like that the cat at the, like, um, hospice place was Azriel, which is the angel of death. Yeah. That was kind oh. of a creepy little thing to name that cat there. And then I had also put, we already brought it up a bit, is that there was on the bus that brings Danny up to the, um, that town or whatever there was a thing mm-hmm. on there that said um ka and that ends up going back to the dark tower as that's yeah. the like mantra that they always bring up that is supposed to be kind of like the circle that everything is has a beginning and an end and it always will kind of repeat itself as well yeah ka was also on abra's wall too i i'd read that oh. there there were a lot of references in this movie to the dark tower Mm-hmm. I didn't write any of them down because I'm not super familiar with the Dark Tower, so I didn't really know how they connected. But I did right. read the Ka thing, and I, I read that it was also on Aber's wall. Um, so you're you're a um, a pretty big Stephen King fan, is that is that yeah. true? Yeah. Okay. So true. how how does his universe, like in his novels, do, does he leave plot holes accidentally? Because like I feel like what ends up happening when they make like these universes too big. You start forgetting details, and it gets hard to, like, connect. Like, how do you feel Stephen King is doing with that? Uh, The one thing I will give him credit is that he does, like, the multiverse theory. So, like, I think he ends up fixing his plot holes because he can just have it where characters go back and change things. So that is what kind of... Ah, so he manipulates his own universe. (laughs) Yeah, so that's what, like, the big thing is that... And he also has, like, I know, like, the main villain is, like, the Crimson King... And I think that's actually the thing that's supposed to be kind of like the it creature. And I know mm-hmm. for that is time will kind of end up repeating itself. So that's also the way is like once like they defeat this thing, he ends up just coming back and just kind of builds energy over time. So that's another way where he'll kind of fix the whole thing is that no matter what happens, it'll all kind of play itself back out eventually. I've always wondered if... So there's no point in saving anything, is what you're saying? <laughs> it's yeah, it's kind of weird. So the hopefulness that, we're feeling is very naive. Pretty much. It's it's very bleak <laughs> outlook on life. <laughs> God damn it, Stephen King. I, I've always wondered... Who if, hurts you? Right? <sighs> I've always wondered if uh, he, in the early years, had intentionally meant to connect these universes, or if they were just kind of fun little nods that he put in there that eventually evolved. Like... Dick Holleran being in the It novel, was it that he was building on a universe, or was it just like, oh, hey, you guys know this guy, let me throw this in I here. Will say, or, like, now that you could say, like, Carrie has The Shining, or I Charlene, Charlene McGee has I'm The Shining, rude. or um, Green Mile, uh, John Coffey. Oh, I love John Coffey. Yeah. Which the 
the death flies that oh my gosh um, that movie literally just makes me sad the death flies that danny sees in this are supposed to be a the nod same to thing the flies the green yeah. green mile. um i almost wish that he didn't like that it wasn't like a huge universe connection and it was just like multiple mm-hmm. unrelated stories about the shining because i do love seeing all the characters because like rose red um yeah annie had like she obviously has the shining like right. so I think it's fun to see, like, these stories of all of these very um, gifted children in these different awful situations and how their lives develop and whether they die or they get out of the situations, whatever happens. I love that, but I don't think that it's necessarily important for them to make it a universe that's connected. Right. Yeah, I agree. If they had made, like, a fucking... Avengers Endgame of Stephen King characters, I would think that that's stupid. <laughs> yeah, I would laugh. I would go see it and like that. Like I think that would be such a fun shindig. <laughs> It'd be like ten hours long. Yeah, well, for sure. And actually, I don't think he had the plan originally. I think it's when he started doing the Dark Tower is where he was like, "Oh, I can start to connect." We're gonna these make things. a wraparound now. Yeah, like I don't think it was originally planned that way until like the Dark Tower series started to just kind of grow, and that's where he started to figure out that he could do that. Yeah, I mean, you gotta think, like, what? when did he start putting out books in the 70s? Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so it's like, what are the chances that from the 70s to now he's still putting out books, you know, that, like, this was always the plan? Like, no, he didn't have this, like, you know, ahead of time. He had right. a couple good ideas, a couple really interesting ideas, and it just kind of took off from there. I mean, there's no denying that Stephen King's a very talented man a very talented storyteller uh, i mean like people love stephen king whether it's a, the the moody movie av- adaptations or his novels um he he's probably one of the most recognizable mm-hmm. horror writers out there you know um he he has quite the career like oh for sure it's amazing it, and the fact that he is still making books and making them connect with with figuring out ways to leave no plot holes Damn, Stephen King. Damn. Let's rate Dr. Sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. All right. Ciro, you go first. Um, I like this movie. I feel like, um, it was, it was, it was good. It, It was enjoyable. Um, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't watch it, like, um, super frequently. Right. Uh, I feel like it's, like, one of those movies, like, I watched it once. And I don't really feel the need to watch it again. Um, it was, I think that I think the most fun aspect of it was seeing the Overlook again, mm-hmm. um, because I, I feel like that was probably the spookiest part of the whole movie. Um, for the most part, I, I don't feel that it was very horror, but I really kind of don't expect that with Stephen King. I, I it's more creepy than anything. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's a good watch. If you haven't watched it, watch it. I wouldn't. I probably won't watch it again, though. Um, I'll give it a six out of ten. Six. Yeah. Okay. Should I give it lower? <laughs> no. You no, seem six surprised. Is fine. Six is fine. David, what do you got? <laughs> Uh, for me, you guys actually brought up some big points that I wasn't even necessarily thinking about, but uh, it's really kind of just horror in, like, the beginning and then at the very end. Because, like, for me, I really like this movie. It's it's so long that it would be one that I 
probably will not revisit this one for a little while just because it does dedicate so much of my time. Yeah. I think the heart and the story, like, as a movie, I would probably end up giving this close to, like, a 9.5 or a 10. But as a horror movie, I probably would have to come down at, like, a 7.5 or an 8 just because of... There's not a lot of those elements, and it's more of, like, a drama and, like, it, like I was talking about, like, a hopeful movie, and then it kind of becomes, like, a road movie at the very end as it kind of goes mm-hmm. along. So that's kind of where I would fall with it because, like, like you said, I didn't even think about that point until you guys had brought it up. So that's where I'd probably fall in, like, if I was graded on those type of scales. So you're going 7.5 or an 8? I'll go 7.5. Okay. Um, I'm gonna agree with the 7.5. I I really enjoyed the movie. Even e- even when I caught on that it wasn't gonna be a horror movie, I still thoroughly enjoyed it. I was sucked into the movie. Um, yeah, you were. I I would definitely watch this again. Um, I would love to have like a day to just double feature The Shining and Doctor Sleep. Mm-hmm. Maybe like. A nice over the winter sometime day. yeah like that would be dylan's dream the kids go to school <laughs> and he watches movies at home <laughs> um yeah i i really enjoyed it and it, it's something that it, it's very rare for me to watch a movie and really just want more mm-hmm. especially a movie that's almost three hours long yeah and, see, i didn't get that at and all. when this movie was like i didn't want this movie to end i wanted it to keep going and keep going and keep going because i i was thoroughly enjoying it and i would even say that i would love to see another sequel that follows abra maybe you know they expand on that a little bit um but i, I really liked the the underlying themes i liked how it paralleled the shining in a lot of senses but it also was polar opposites to the shining mm-hmm. um I love the little throwbacks. It was cool to say, like, oh, hey, look, that's from The Shining. Or, like, when, like for example, when they get to the Overlook uh, towards the end and the music kicks in from yeah. The Shining, I was like, this is, this is fucking great. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with a, a 7.5. Um, I'm, I'm kind of with you where I'm kind of leaning more towards a higher score, but... I, I'm I'm gonna settle for a seven point five. Yeah, I feel like this movie at the end of the day is more so like a fantasy drama mm-hmm. thriller ish adventure. I'd actually also like to see like a prequel where we would see like the true knot back in the day when they were like talking to Grandpa Flick where he like they're saying like how he like fed on kings and saw like empires fall and all that stuff like i would even be fine seeing like a period piece movie where we're seeing them kind of go after these people in the past where they were talking about where there's more steam because of like not having you know pharmaceuticals and everything or like therapy where we're like getting these kids where it's tempering all of that Mm -hmm. well you know what when when they had brought up that like the shining this is this is coming from my viewpoint is Mm -hmm. when they were saying that like the shining like is becoming less uh like there's not as many people who have it Mm -hmm. and things like that all i could think about is like child development and this is just from where i come from because i'm I'm going to school for child development and things like that so it was like i was like thinking like how much kids have changed over the years so like you're not you're not working out your imagination and you're not you're not That's doing true. as much like as we were when we were kids or our parents were when they were kids we were outside we were making yeah. up games and we were we were playing a lot in our heads where nowadays kids are mo- more than anything stimulated on technology tv mm-hmm. you know video games whatever it is they are not gaining that self sense of self and all of those um like 
really open-ended games that we played as children. Um, so, like, and when they said that, like, my mind went straight to, like, it's the way children are developing today. That, yeah. That's, which, obviously, it's, like, a freaking fake universe. Like, <laughs> it's whatever they tell me it is. But in my head, I was like, no, The Shining is real, and it's because kids watch too much TV. <laughs> so there's my little <laughs> stupid input of the day. <laughs> uh, so that gives, the average, our average for the movie was a 7. Um, the IMDb average for this movie was a 7.3. So we were actually pretty... Pretty close. You're welcome for your low rating. (laughs) Um, David, plugs. Where can people find you? Um, Well, I still do my blog where I do all the written reviews, and that is horrorreview.webnode.com. I always look forward to that. I appreciate that. (laughs) Uh, My podcast, you can find that um, anywhere that I believe podcasts can be found. I haven't really heard of any of, like, the platforms that it's not on there. And then other than that, like, if you want to follow me on, like, social media, um, David Michigan Garrett Jr., only because David Garrett is such a common name on Facebook that I needed to have my nickname in there so people knew who I was when I was adding them as well as an easier way to find me and then David OSU 87 is where um, on most everything else is my handle on that and that's how we'll always remember you that's fair (laughs) (laughs) Uh, if you want to find us you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Horrorhaven Podcasts Uh, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available Um, next the next few episodes are kind of up in the air. I know that we're doing Messiah of Evil and Let's Scare Jessica to Death with Steven. And uh, we've talked to Larry about doing an Insidious episode, so that's possibly coming in the future. And but Dylan has his own little special thing he's working on yeah. as well. Yeah, so stay tuned. We're going to have a lot of cool stuff. David, we appreciate you coming on. Thank you. And everybody have a good night. Good night. Oh, oh, good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. night.